0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 187.
1: One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Physician heels. Wearing a mid thin. Fantastic. I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da. Ooh. She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who, and today we're discussing the sixth Doctor story, called Time Lash. And joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, Father Corey is unavailable. He's traveling on the TARDIS this week, so <laughs> we'll soldier on without him while he returns from, I think, the 11th century. <laughs> In the Mm -hmm. meantime, and hopefully he's with one of his favorite doctors and and not one of the ones that he does not. Not the one we're talking about today. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Folks, remember to, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You don't have to do all of them. Just pick one. (laughs) Or you could do it in your favorite podcast app or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. Yeah, so uh, we are talking about Time Lash. This is a Sixth Doctor story that aired in March of nineteen eighty-five. The second to last story of that season, I believe, uh, the, of that the the Sixth Doctor's first season. And uh, so, it's, and it's
1: it, one of the least worst. <laughs>
0: exactly. I kind of liked the two Doctors that we, that was the last oh, Sixth Doctor one. We uh, I were, did
1: not. I did not. I but
0: well, it had it had
1: aspects that were fine.
0: Well, like, well, I was going to say, what I liked about mm-hmm. it was Patrick Troughton and Jamie yeah. McCrimmon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I like that. But, uh, but, uh, but, so this one uh, is is not as bad as it could be. I hate, I hate the damning with faint praise that we do with the Sixth Doctor. But, gosh, it's it's tough to really enjoy it. So, but let me let me give the recap of it. The the the, mm-hmm. the one sentence recap, which is, uh, on the planet Carfell and in Scotland, eighteen eighty five, the Sixth Doctor and Perry. Uh, together with a young man named Herbert, hmm, who could he be? Become entangled with the machinations of a despot called the Borad, not uh, Borat from, from somewhere in.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. Asia. This is totally Borat cultural learnings for make benefit glorious planet Carfell. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, so uh, one of the things that 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 keeps getting me every time we see the Sixth Doctor in Perry is why is she still traveling with this guy that she thinks is a jerk? And I kind of think it's sort of it's sort of like she had, it's like a relationship where you've had this wonderful girlfriend or boyfriend, and then they decided to move in together. And then that once wonderful boyfriend or girlfriend becomes a controlling jerk, but you keep hoping that they'll go back to being the way they were. And I kind of think that's what Perry is doing here. It's like mm-hmm. she remembers the fifth doctor and how nice he was who actually
1: and died for her
0: right right uh, and now she's kind of hoping that this incarnation of the doctor is gonna become nice again or something i i I don't get it, but they yeah. just sp- spend so much I, time bickering
1: i i think i i I think you have a very charitable interpretation <laughs> there of that's what's <laughs> happening. I think it's she's still traveling with the Doctor because that's what the show needs her to do. (laughs) Right. And she's also bickering with the Doctor because they, for whatever reason, have wanted to have the six Doctors start out abrasive, and they need him to have someone to be abrasive with, and they don't know what else to do with Perry and the Doctor, and so they have them relentlessly sniping at each other. And in this one, Perry is kind of the aggressor. Mm-hmm. She, in, in the opening scenes in the TARDIS, where they're talking about where they're going to go next, she's the one who's really kind of being a jerk about it more than he is.
0: Yeah, she accuses him of aimless wandering. And and he gets mad. He says, fine, I'll, let's go back to London, 1985, or wherever it was he picked her up from, mm-hmm. and, and drop you off right there if, you, if you're not so interested in aimless wandering.
1: Right. Uh, so which- he... He calls yeah. her bluff, and she is indeed bluffing. It's like, oh well, now maybe not so quickly about all that.
0: Yeah, she she does say that she wants she's looking for a holiday. She wants to go on a vacation somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's where the, she's looking for something. And and it, it does seem to me that there comes a point with a lot of the doctor's companions where they want to like want a holiday. They want to take them someplace where they can just hang out and relax. Uh, I remember uh, Clara wanted that one one in uh, an.
1: They all want Donna.
0: That. Yeah, they always end up like going for a holiday and never end up in, having a nice holiday well, Whoever they
1: go. Once they do. Uh, actually, re- I can think of a couple of times. There's one that you haven't seen yet. Okay. I mean, or maybe you have. It's uh, the, the Fifth Doctor story, The Five Doctors, where nope. Peter yeah. Davison's Fifth Doctor is just chilling at the Eye of Orion with Turlo and Tegan. Okay. Uh, haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. At the beginning of the story. And uh, actually, it's the Eye of Orion that comes up in this. It's a recurring thing that the doctor was always talking about going to, and Peter Davidson's doctor actually went there. But the other one that I can think of, which is even more famous because an adventure does not interrupt it for the companion, is Midnight. Where they're That's on true. the planet midnight, and Donna gets to just sit by the pool the whole, whole episode, doing what she wants, chilling out, and getting That's some true. UV rays, and not yeah. that exotonic radiation, and, and then <laughs> the Doctor is off on his own adventure.
0: That's true. Donna does get her, her holiday there. And, and speaking of successful, you, don, the doc, the Doctor and Donna, the 10th Doctor and Donna, is an example of how a... Not, it's not. They don't have an abrasive relationship, but they have a a fun contention, playful
1: teasing ba- relationship. Yes,
0: yeah. that's how they should have done this. It does a a better a better production team would have <laughs> would have done it than than what we get here. So
1: yeah, uh, so, uh,
0: so we so ha- have we, them looking for a place to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, as and and as typical in an early early on in a Doctor Who adventure of this year, we cut back and forth between what's happening in the Tardis and the yes. place they're going to end up. Well, Let's just go ahead and spoil a few things. So, Herbert, the guy yes. they pick up in 1885 Scotland, is H.G. Wells. Yes, and and they don't really bring that out until the very end. But it it turns out the Doctor knows it's H.G. Wells because he dropped a card with right. his with his full name on it. And the doctor has not made a big deal out of it, which I like. I like if we're going to have yep. a famous historical person on here. We don't have, oh, Mr. Wells, I've read all your books. I'm such a big, huge fan. You know, it's just treating him like a normal guy is, is right. much more to my taste. But we do have the trope implicitly, and they don't make a big deal out of it, which is also nice. But we yep. have the trope of this is what inspires H.G. Wells' sci-fi novels. So this story has references that are going to be used in The Time Machine, The War of the Worlds, The Invisible Man, and The Island of Dr. Moreau.
0: Right, right.
1: And so it's setting up all that—implicitly, it's setting up all those H.G. Wells novels. Interestingly, even though we're not given any date in the story for when this is happening, it's apparently just far future—in— the A History of the Universe, which is an unofficial history of the Doctor Who universe, they are arbitrarily placed in the in the year eight thousand and two seven oh one. So eight hundred and two thousand seven oh one, which is the year that uh H. G. Wells' time machine visits in his novel.
0: <laughs> With the Eloy and the Morlock.
1: And the Morlocks, yes. yeah, oh, in total, we have Morlocks in this episode, yes. although they're not degenerate humans, they're, like, brontosauruses, they're carnivorous brontosauruses.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh- also, there's a another, there's an actor in this, so, like, in the two we- Doctors, which we did last time with the sixth Doctor, we had an actress who I identified as Servalan from Blake Seven. Yes. She was the big bad for... Blake 7. Well, another person that was on Blake 7 was an actor named Paul Darrow, who appears in this episode as a character named Tecker, but he was he's more famous for being Avon on Blake 7. Originally, Avon was like Blake's second-in-command, and then when Blake left the show, he became the primary hero, but he's an anti-hero. Right. He's like sinister and menacing menacing, but still on the side of good. And so uh last time we had Servaland, the Big Bad, now we've got <laughs> Avon. And apparently, according to various uh sources, Paul Darrow deliberately overplayed his role and was like more villainous in this than than he otherwise would have been as uh-huh. payback. To Colin Baker, because, and I've seen this, there's an episode of uh, of Blake 7 where Colin Baker, young, a young Colin Baker, he's not yet the doctor, uh-huh. a young Colin Baker guest stars as a minor bad who's like a walk, you know, he's on for one episode as a villain. He's a, like a galactic war criminal known as Babin the Butcher, mm-hmm. or Babe, as his mom called him. <laughs> and, and he is like. Totally evil, and he was very flamboyant and over the top in his in his badness in in that episode of Blake Seven. And so to get back at him in this, Paul Darrow as the walk on villain of the week in Doctor Who is like scene stealing from him. Oh, funny, funny. <laughs> yeah, he
0: was. Yeah, I gotta say, Tecker was pretty over the top. Yeah. Uh, so, so we start off with this. Um, an apparently airless planet because you can see the horizon that with stars at night all the way down to the down to the horizon you know the, the so there's no it it looks like you're on a moon of some sort here uh, I I love how way. you're
1: over-sciencing a, a budgetary special effects limitation
0: I I do I know I have <laughs> to do it. it it's it's a clearly a fan thing to do so you have these three young people running down corridors as we do uh trying to escape
1: from arm guards and beekeeper helmets uh, oh yeah, and, the the mushroom beekeeper men—they were yes. they were cool. They they have these ha- ha- upside down salad bowls on their heads with like beekeeping mesh underneath it. It makes them look like mushrooms with arms.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I think they show up later in the Force Awakens. Actually, the Star Wars. Uh, Do the, they? The, the,
0: yes. Well, it's a very, very similar outfit on a, uh, a some sort of policeman on Jakku in the background. So, mm. but uh, but it's very it's very similar. Uh so there's something they they talk something about escaping the citadel to join rebels and avoid being thrown into something they call the Time Lash and uh, uh which and then as you said we're jumping back and forth so back on the TARDIS the doctor says they're unavoidably colliding with a time tunnel that's connected from some place to 1179 AD on Earth so the something is drawing the TARDIS unavoidably into it
1: yeah, this uh. is a Contron time tunnel, and what makes it Contron is apparently the fact it's done with 8 bit animation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's that is. Really, really primitive animation.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, it's got this little rainbow thing going on. So, back on the planet, one of the young guys is caught and fitted with a collar. Uh, the other guy is grabbed by a guard, and it turns out he betrayed the others, and the girl that they were with is zapped by a big blue guy who apparently is...
1: A big, blonde, blue robot. Yes. So he's he's, three Bs, big, blonde, and blue.
0: (laughs) Yes, an android of some sort. uh, He takes her before the Borad, who is apparently the leader, who says he is her master, although she doesn't recognize him. So we we immediately get this sense of uh, the Borad is not who the people think he is, and then he zaps her and she dies. So so she's immediately uh, dead for having seen his actual face. So, uh, meanwhile, we have uh, a couple—a um, man and a woman—who are debating each other on the, in this council room over the Borad. and the The man says, uh, "The the woman says uh, he's a fine leader," and the other, he, the man says, "He's negligent and only interested in his time experiments." So we have the time elements going on here. Uh, yeah. They're apparently counselors who are who are gathering to put the two captured guys on trial.
1: Yeah, he also criticizes other aspects of Borat's leadership. One of them is that he never appears except on screen, so he's kind yeah. of hands-off, but it's like, hmm, a That's leader fair. who never appears except on screen. What other Doctor Who serial have I recently seen that featured exactly <laughs> that concept? Yes. Oh, it was the Macro Terror, and guess what? The leader... Uh, the the actual leader was not did not look anything like the image that appeared on screen. That was a fake. Guess what's yes. gonna happen in this episode? Also, there's another race that we haven't seen yet that they are apparently in danger of going to war with. And that's another criticism of Borat's leadership is he's gonna get us into a war with these people and we don't need that. Yes. Uh so these these two, uh, oh, oh and they're having a civil war themselves. That was right. the other criticism.
0: The rebels that they were going to, yes. Uh, and uh, th- these two rebels, or these two young men who were going to find the rebels, including one who who betrayed the others, uh, they're convicted in a show trial, and they're sentenced to being put in the time lash, which is apparently this time corridor that the doctor has been talking about. And so the, the, the big blue blonde android, the BBB mm-hmm. android, uh throws the two rebels 3B. into the time corridor 3BA 3BA the th- yes the 3BA yeah. he's, a, he's a droid um and uh so they get thrown into the time corridor and i'm not sure like does this mean that they're being sent to 1179 yeah. AD on earth or they yeah. get
1: stuck in there no this is the weeping angel, angel punishment they're okay. they're they they could do the same thing if they just had a weeping angel and let it touch people who were condemned criminals It's just sending them back to this year as a form of exile.
0: Wow. Yes, that would be from 800,000 AD to 1179. That would be a big culture shock. So uh, the the head judge is called the Malin, uh, and -hmm. that's apparently the leader of the people just one step below the Borad. Uh, Right. The female counselor is Vina, his daughter, and the man who was talking to Vina earlier is Mikros, who is her fiancé.
1: Yeah, oh man, what a what a humiliating name, Mikros. <laughs> Mikros? I mean, in, in Greek it means little.
0: <laughs> hey, little man. Uh yeah. and, and the planet is called Carfel. Uh
1: yes, and the inhabitants, they don't tell us the name of the planet first. They tame us they tell us the name of the inhabitants. They refer to them as Carfelons. And I'm going, <laughs> Wow, Grand Theft Auto is an identity marker.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Wow, yeah, they just would start off one step behind. So uh, Mikros follows the Malin to where they can't be monitored. Some room, which uh, the the Malin says the uh, uh, the monitoring can't work in there because it would mess with the instruments. And and that's apparently unheard of. Like they, they're so it's it's you know it's Big Brother everywhere. Uh, and they they discuss overthrowing the Borat, despite their outward appearances of support. But Malin says, no, no, it's impossible. We can't do it. So I don't want to support you. Not because I don't want to, but because it can't work.
1: Yeah. Well, he says it's not the right time. So he's open to overthrowing the Borat in the future, but just not yet.
0: Right. Uh, Now, Malin's job appears to involve routing power to the Borat, uh, who has also, incidentally, by the way, banned mirrors for some reason, which will clear later, uh, and uh, the the latest
1: <laughs> lame reason that will become clear later.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I kept thinking of that Steve Martin routine about the, uh, you know, when you when you when you're uh, holding hostages, you demand you know a million dollars, a plane to fly me anywhere, and the letter M stricken from the English language because you're always gonna have a crazy demand like a million dollars
1: for your, in- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy demand for your insanity defense later. Yes, yes.
0: I mean, just uh, like, we have to ban mirrors. Sure, why not? Okay, let's ban yeah. mayors. Everyone has bad hair days. So the so the latest power routing order down from the Borat uh, is that uh, everything has to be routed to the Borat, including hospital power, which everything will kill- Everything
1: ex- except the time lash power.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, this would, well, we are told, will kill the Malin's wife who just had surgery and is on life support, but he must do it anyway, because what else can you do?
1: He's hoping she'll survive; that she'll yes. be strong enough. But yeah, there's a good likelihood it's going to kill lots of people in the hospital, including his own wife, who we never see. Yeah, right, right.
0: She's totally off screen, and so we we have not only how evil the Borat is, but how broken the people are in you know down so to to, to obey him. So that we've got that ex- um example. So it turns out that. Even in this place where they're not supposed to be able to be monitored, the Borat is actually monitoring them, and so the Borat calls Malin to to a meeting, uh, which is going to be bad. He's about to be fired. That's just totally it. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. the Doctor and Perry... Fired in a a
1: somewhat literal sense.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, The Doctor and Perry, in a series of interspersed scenes, so it doesn't all happen at once, are trying to avoid the bad effects of a Contran tunnel, which is making them look all weird and distorted and talk like they've been sucking on helium.
1: Yep. And they get to wear safety belts. (laughs) The first time ever they yank out safety belts and strap themselves to the TARDIS console and then stand as far back from it as possible to keep from being flung around. And actually, this is not a very good safety belt design because you could easily slam your face into the TARDIS (laughs) console. Yeah. You need at least airbags for this to work. But uh, but that's kind of cool.
0: It would need a four-point harness. This is a two-point harness. It's two spots on the ground, which means it, may, it creates a great lever action so you can go forward and backward, forward and backward, like as much as you want, smashing your face in the back of your head on everything. Mm-hmm. You need at least a four-point harness to keep you mo- st- stable. Or, yeah. you know, a chair with a seatbelt. <laughs> that may be good. Uh, So, the like I mentioned, this, the Malin is confronted by the Borat for his treason, and the Borat... Rev- Without showing his face, by the way, we never see the Borat's face until near the end.
1: Right. We Uh, only see him on the screen. And on the screen, he looks like this kindly old man who nevertheless makes irrational demands. Yes. And the kindly old man is the same actor who plays Professor Kronotus from Shada. Oh, that's why he looks familiar. he's also the keeper of Trocken, which is a story you haven't seen yet, Dom. Yeah. And he uh, in I Claudius he he plays the historian Livy, okay. So he's a familiar old man face, yes, uh, who's kindly and reasonable and makes insane demands. <laughs> but I like how here the Borat explains to the Malin how he was how he was able to monitor the yes. um thing, and it's, he's got this comp, over complicated explanation. It's actually more complicated than we need, yeah. but he says. A microphone was inserted on the black-scented amulet, and Mm -hmm. the amulet he's got in his hand because he was using it to transfer the power, and so this is the black-scented amulet. But since we can see that it is not black, it is not both black and scented, it must be scented of the color black. So... The Borat has some serious synesthesia, cross connecting his <laughs> olfactory and visual senses, because he can smell black.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the synesthesia is, is present there. So, uh, yeah. So the uh, the Borat says very nice and uh, d- shoots uh, the the uh, male in and turns him into uh, like quickly ages him into a skeleton. That this
1: uh, he... is I, I know, and I kind of admire, but also find it hilarious the way this effect works. Because he zaps him with a ray and all of a sudden there is a skeleton standing in his clothes and it just crumples to the ground. Yes. It's just like in an instant <laughs> clunk and it's on the ground <laughs> and it folds as it does so, which of course it would, you know, it's right. not like going to just be rigid and fall over. Yeah. That might even be a little more hilarious. But just the <laughs> way it folds in half and falls to the ground all in an instant, it, it looks like the cheap special effect it is. and. I can't really fault it because if you did turn someone into a skeleton in their clothes, it would probably look something like that, <laughs> right, right? And be, act something like that. So I can't fault it on logic grounds. It's just simultaneously goofy. So I love this. It's I have cognitive dissonance with it, and it's so evil, supervillain. Like like it, you could just shoot a guy.
0: You could just like bang, you're dead. You know. But no, we <laughs> we have to use the overly complex, the overly over the top weapon to kill the. The the henchmen that we we want to get rid of. It's very Bond supervillain uh, mm-hmm. uh, there. So uh, meanwhile, Vina, uh, the Malen's daughters, told her father had a fatal seizure. And uh, oh, by the way, your fiance is to be thrown into the time lash.
1: Oh, and your father was a traitor too. So like, yeah. well, why did you tell me he had a fatal she- seizure thirty seconds ago? Why didn't you just <laughs> tell me he was a traitor?
0: Right, right. And, oh, and a new uh, a new Malin has been chosen, Tekker that you mentioned. Avon, before. yay, <laughs> yes, and. Uh, so uh Vina, upon being told about this, she grabs the amulet from Tekker, the new mailin, and jumps into the time lash Because the amulet is the key to the Borat's power, quite literally. If he doesn't if they don't have it, they can't send send him power. I think uh, so she
1: more like is threatening to throw it in if they don't let good stuff happen and then yeah. she falls in, it was my interpretation.
0: Oh, really? oh okay. Uh it, that could be. I, I could have it could have floated, yeah. floated by me pretty quick,
1: but it it turns her into a ghost and she gets to briefly haunt the TARDIS as it's <laughs> going through the Chronoton <laughs> time tunnel, and yeah. she's going through it in the other direction on her way to to now eighteen eighty five because the TARDIS has dislodged the other end of the time tunnel.
0: Yes, the it, uh, Perry sees her and wants to help her, uh, but they can't so because the TARDIS is out of control and it it materializes on Carful, mm-hmm. so. The uh, the Malin quickly deduces that the TARDIS can help them retrieve the amulet before the Borat punishes them all for their bad madness.
1: Because he knows who the Doctor is. This is something that starts coming out. Even the Borat is like, "Oh, the Doctor, my old foe. We will meet again." And yes, Avon remembers who the Doctor is, and so we learned that the Doctor has been here before, which is nice because it explains how they're able to come up with this plan so quickly. Yes, they are already familiar with these concepts,
0: right? It, and what we have is a is is an explanation that he came as the third doctor mm-hmm. uh, uh, with Joe Grant in a in a story that has never actually been seen on film. So it's not like we're we're like revisiting an old uh, planet that we saw when, in the third doctor's time. This is a completely uh, like they're making this up as an off-screen adventure that the third yeah. doctor had.
1: Uh, Which is nice. It's We often yeah. hear about off-screen adventures like, oh, that time I met so-and-so, the famous person from history. They often mention them, but we don't see the follow-up. Right. We don't see evidence like this. We do occasionally. This happens, for example, in Tom Baker's era, where he's had an, an off-screen—it's the first Leela story, uh-huh. uh, The Face of Evil, where he— he comes to this planet, and he for, has forgotten he's been here before, but in his previous adventure, he made such an impression that they thought he was a god, and they've carved this face into Tom, Cliff, into Tom Baker's face as it's the face of evil, and when he, when he first meets Leela, she's like, oh, the evil one, and, and he's like, would you like a jelly baby? It's true, the evil one eats babies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny <laughs> but but
1: we do occasionally get this kind of doctor off-screen cross-pollination where it has more of a consequent like yeah. this and i like that right. also it wasn't just joe grant that he was with because when he and perry first step out of the tardis avon is talking to them and he's like oh traveling light this time doctor right because you've just got the one companion yeah, and and the doctor says, yeah, whatever. Just got the one companion right now, and so that tells us that he had other people with him the first time he visited. And the logical people for him to have taken with him would have been unit people. Yep. So it, was, it wasn't just Joe Grant. It would be like Captain Yates and Sergeant Benton and people like that were also along for that one. Okay, okay. Uh,
0: that would be it. Would be again another one of those things that Big Finish could do is to fill in the gap, but uh, apparently they haven't. Uh not but, yet. Uh, so meanwhile, uh while they're having some refreshments uh with the mail in, uh Perry is admiring some of the plants, including oh. some that are particularly deadly. Well and then in just out of nowhere, Android the acid wa-
1: face plant.
0: Yeah, yes, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Why would you keep that in your in office, your office any-
1: if it sprays acid at people who lean close to admire it? <laughs> Fortunately it doesn't do that to Perry, but we're told it could have.
0: Yes. And we'll get somebody else later. Uh, but at this point one of the uh, the uh, bba bbb the 3bas like i have i mm-hmm. get to get that down right the 3ba comes in grabs perry's necklace and walks off with it like pulls it off her neck <laughs> for know. some reason uh, yeah. but w- she does say it's her st christopher medal which seems right. appropriate for a companion of the doctor
1: yeah. If you're going to be traveling, you probably want, with him, you probably want some <laughs> assistance from the patron saint of travelers. Exactly. So that's that's nice. It also means Perry is likely Catholic, which is interesting. Yeah. The But I know the way the android just comes in and yanks her chain and walks off.
0: <laughs> Literally. <laughs> for,
1: for no reason is amazing. And they kind of hang a lantern on it and say, oh, he was probably wanting to warn you about the acid face plant. But he didn't warn her about the acid face plant. He stole her St. Christopher medal. <laughs> he could have was... come on and said, and by the way, my 20th century speech synthesizer on my computer is much better than the speech synthesizer on this Android. <laughs> yes. Uh, because he is, and it's, it's an actor doing it, but it's a terrible speech synthesizer. He could have come up and said, I'm sorry, ma'am, please lean back from the dangerous office plant. Right.
0: <laughs> Now, keep in mind, this is 1985. This is just about the time we get data on Star Trek: Next Generation, also an android, mm-hmm. a much better <laughs> android, I have to say. Uh, I, the, the reason I the reason in my head, I, I figured it must be why he grabbed the necklace is maybe it's reflective and you can't have reflective surfaces. But it's she was St. saying
1: Christopher metal. It just It's not a mirror. It's not even the reflective surface of a normal wine goblet.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, she points out that everything is matte; nothing is even reflective. Never mind shiny with a where well, you could see reflection. I don't know. You nothing sparkly. Yeah, it 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 was a weird blip in the in the episode where they were. They must have intended it to mean something and forgot to you know follow through. Uh, I have
1: to say, Perry has remarkable aesthetic sensibilities because. Not only does she know what the word "mat" means and is comfortable using it in a sentence. I mean, most unless you're in publishing or something, most people yeah. don't know what matte finish is. Yes. Um, it, matte is like a dull finish as opposed to a glossy finish. Yes. Unless and you paint a lot. <laughs> if you paint, you learn about that. Or if you're in like in publishing, you know it because different paper stocks have different kinds of finishes. Right but she not only knows this term and uses it in conversation, she picks up on the fact that everything in her environment is that. Yes. And it's like, I would not have. It's like, <laughs> hey, where's all the shiny things? I mean, <laughs> how often do I think that to myself? Right. So, uh, they, so yeah, so they do, everything's
0: lifeless. Uh, and they're having this conversation about where, like, nothing's sparkly. When a man runs in, Shoves a piece of paper in Perry's hand and <laughs> <Yeah>. runs out.
1: <laughs> runs out. It's like, Which is actually kind of, you're at least defeating part of the surveillance society because you didn't say anything to her. Of course, yeah. it doesn't help if you then read the note out loud in front of the security camera. And it also looks w- really suspicious on camera. Yeah, no, like, that, you're not getting the <laughs> visual part of this. You still need yeah. to work on that. <laughs> What's, what did Bob do there? What what did he hand to, the, to that alien that had just showed
0: up? Uh well the, the note says meet saison at the Falcian rocks which sounds like a rendezvous to me. Uh so uh it, that's but they 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 decide that's that must be what it is or or it's a fortune cookie but uh, one or the other. So uh the the Malin Tecker comes back and says a tour of the citadel has been arranged Perry. Uh she has no choice. <laughs> She's going on the tour. Uh it's a it's a ruse to separate her from the doctor and kill her. Perry doesn't yeah. want to go, but the doctor
1: insists. And and this is this seems to me to be a flaw in the New Malin's plans because yeah. what he wants to do is he and the excuse is, oh, we're gonna have you go off on this tour, Perry, so the doctor and I can talk business. Right. And and the business that he wants to talk about is okay, that ghost lady you saw whiz through the TARDIS in the time tunnel. Had a rather important amulet of ours that we need to get back. And so she's in 1885, and we want you to go there and get the amulet for us. And so that's the business. And so, well, why would I want to do that? Well, because I'm holding Perry as a hostage in order to blackmail you. So (laughs) you need to go do this. And, but except he's already given orders to have the hostage killed. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, what? Do you understand how blackmail works? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you kill if the hostage. <laughs> you lose your levering uh, power. You're, you lose your leverage. Um, you, you, need, you may need to, if you want him to believe that the hostage is still alive and thus that you still have power over him, You need to be able to produce the hostage in the future. You don't start by killing the hostage. (laughs) Maybe you do that, but only after you have what you want. Killing the hostage as your first step just kind of defeats the purpose of blackmail.
0: Well, meanwhile, the doctor, before they even got off the TARDIS, had told Perry, don't leave my side. This is a dangerous environment. Don't leave me at any point. And the first thing he does is, yeah, yeah, go take the tour. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, uh, which the first advice it was apparently a good advice because they're going to try to kill her. So yeah, so he's going to he threatens Perry to to get him to do this. Uh, uh, going to search for Vina. The guard with the beekeeper helmet on totally muffs the job, and Perry gets away by shoving the acid face plant in his face. Yeah, uh, and she escaped acids the, him. Yes, <laughs> yes, Chekhov's uh, acid face plant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So she escapes through a door, just a convenient door, into a cavern and in- encounters the- In a
1: canyon with the... his daughter, Clementine, or at least a bunch of rebels.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, first she meets the Morlocks, and the, the, her first impulse is to scream, <laughs> because why not?
1: I love how the Morlocks are carnivorous brontosauruses.
0: Yes, yes. Which so are I... very slow to, to bite, by, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to menace you. Uh, Meanwhile, they're in a Victorian cottage, a young man, Herbert, is doing some sort of Ouija board-like activity when Vina oh, it appears. Is, he, he
1: is, it, I mean, it's not a literal Ouija board, but he yeah. is using—it's like a Ouija board. It performs the same function. He is attempting to conduct a seance and contact the spirits using—I forget if this version of it is technically called a planchette or not. But he's got, like, the letters of the alphabet arranged around the table, and he's got a wine glass upside down in the middle of the table that he's moving yeah. to different letters.
0: Right. It moves on its own, which is, you know, and he's kind of oh. surprised by it.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's when Vena arrives, asks for help, and collapses. So And he uh, assumes
1: she's a spirit that's yes. materialized, which is awesome.
0: So uh, Perry's still screaming in the cavern <laughs> when some people show up and shoot the Morlocks, and suddenly a burning android appears out of nowhere and collapses and i like the fact that they don't really explain this at first it feels mm-hmm. like uh, you've you've totally forgotten to tell us what this was about but that but it actually comes up later so i i'm kind of glad that they they don't yeah. you know blow it's, blow it's the wibbly hair.
1: wobbly timey wimey yes even so though the, it's the 1980s <laughs> that's
0: right So the rebels want to kill her as a spy, but uh, one woman, uh, one of the the rebel women, uh, questions her first. And when Perry mentions the doctor, the woman shows a locket. She says the doctor gave her grandfather. It has a photo of Joe Grant and a bit of Joe's hair, which feels really creepy. Like, Hmm. why does this? Did this grandfather get this locket from the doctor?
1: Well, she hadn't met that guy from the nut hutch yet and married <laughs> him and gone off to the Amazon. Maybe she had a romance on this planet. Uh,
0: could be, could be. And she'd asked the doctor to give it to the this young woman's grandfather. So uh the the doctor, meanwhile, has figured out that Vina is in eighteen eighty five. That's with he yeah. at this point he realizes where she is.
1: By the way, the in the original draft of this script, and I don't know why they changed this because I don't see any special reason why it needed to be changed, uh, um, although I can guess why they did it. Originally, it was not going to be the third Doctor and Joe and Unit. Yeah. Originally, it was going to be the first Doctor with Ian, Barbara, and Susan. Oh. And so that might have been a locket of Susan. Interesting. If they had kept that. I suspect, if I had to guess the reason they changed it, it's because the kids watching this in nineteen in the nineteen eighties would have had a greater chance of knowing and recognizing the third doctor from the nineteen seventies right. than the first doctor from the nineteen sixties.
0: Right. Yeah. That would that would be going back more than twenty years at that point. So, meanwhile, as you mentioned, Vina wakes up wakes up in the cottage and is introduced to Herbert, who thinks she's a spirit come through the spirit world, and Herbert says he's a writer and a teacher. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, They hear the TARDIS materializing, and Vina at this point, asks him for help. So Herbert grabs a crucifix and a Bible to get rid of the unwanted spirit who's arrived uh, and confronts the doctor, who just basically pushes him off.
1: Uh, I love how when the doctor is ignoring him and, like, turns his back on H.G. Wells, he takes the Bible and tries to hit the doctor in the head (laughs) with the Bible, but the doctor just moves out of the way without even seeing it. Yeah, (laughs) he just kind of ducks (laughs) him. Herbert is like completely
0: ineffective here, HG. Uh, So uh, meanwhile, the rebels tell Perry that the Bandrill, the aliens... Oh, yeah, they're the the
1: rubber cobra head skull people.
0: Yes, they're
1: the... Hand puppets.
0: They're hand puppets. Uh, The the Muppets are coming to attack them. They were the former allies.
1: Yeah, and the puppet looks like a skeletal version of a cobra, kind of.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they they apparently have a weapon that can destroy anything with a central nervous system while leaving infrastructure untouched, which sounds a lot like a neutron bomb. Yep is that is that even a thing anymore? Neutron bombs. I remember back in the eighties they were they were really scary. Oh, big...
1: well, and in the seventies too. They, yeah. I mean, we do have neutron bombs. They don't get as much attention as they yeah. used to.
0: Nobody talks about interesting. Well, they,
1: people don't we, actually. People <laughs> don't talk about nuclear weapons as much as they used to in general.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true, uh, but P- Perry recognizes. I think she she kind of says, "Oh, that sounds familiar" when she yeah. hears the weapon. So that it was a thing. She realizes that the man is saison, C- which <laughs> which is a type of uh, nice session beer that you can drink. <laughs> a saison. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I just every time I heard his name, I kept thinking, mm, "I like a nice saison beer, right?" Now. Uh, and mm. so they're the end. That they're, they're at the Falchion Rocks. Just and and then she goes to look for the note to show them. Look, someone gave me this note to come meet you. Which is just as the Citadel guards arrived, because when she was fighting with the guard earlier, the note fell out of her pocket, and left, she left this evidence of where the rebels are uh, laying around for them to find, so that the, the guards have arrived and start shooting people and taking people captive.
1: And the the Borat has given orders that Perry is not to be harmed for some reason.
0: Ooh, she's got spunk. That's what it is. He, he likes her spunk. <laughs> think it's so.
1: more than Spunky's after. But. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so the Doctor, but meanwhile, has explained how the time machine, the TARDIS, works to Herbert, who will, turn, like we said, turn to be H.G. Wells. Uh, he convinces Vina to let him return the amulet in order to help him save her people and defeat the Borat. Uh, she wanted to, to keep it away from him, but the Doctor says, trust me, I, I'll, we'll, get, we'll fix this up if you give me the amulet. Uh, and grabs a mirror from H.G.'s uh, cottage before they go. Uh, that that'll be important later. Uh, he says, uh, Herbert, you can't come with me, but Herbert stows away somehow on the yeah. turrets. Uh, one of which...
1: one of many who've done that.
0: <laughs> yes, well, Herbert has this 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 very I don't know what it is this thing where he just will not go away and won't take a hint. <laughs> this guy just keeps up disobeying everything the doctor tells him. Well, so for the... someone
1: who's destined to make a career writing science fiction novels, could you? Could you expect him to do anything <laughs> other than glom on to this opportunity?
0: That's true. This is true. So the the doctor ends up handing over the amulet to the Malin, but the Malin refuses to hand over Perry. Of course, uh, and she's...
1: there's there's one of the most famous bits of Sixth Doctor dialogue in this scene. Uh huh. Where he as an as this is like the classic Sixth Doctor insult. It comes from this scene where he, I believe, he says it to Malin but he refers to him as, you microcephalic apostate. <laughs> and so, okay, let's think about that. Yeah. Microcephalic, so that means you've got a tiny brain, uh, or yes. a, the old term for someone with microcephaly is a pinhead. Okay. And then apostate. I love how Colin Baker does not know how to pronounce the word apostate. <laughs> an apostate is a person who has fallen away from a position they should hold. Right. So, like if you're an if you say, Oh, I'm not a Christian anymore, well, then you're an apostate Christian. If you say I'm not a Muslim anymore, you're an apostate Muslim. If you say I'm not a Democrat anymore, you're an apostate Democrat. You know, whatever you've fallen away from, you're an apostate from that. And so He's saying he's a an apostate, or an I'm sorry, an apostate <laughs> from something we don't know what it is, and presumably his microcephaly led him to do that. Yes, he's a pinheaded
0: apostate, Carfelon.
1: Yeah, maybe Carfelon. Maybe so, <laughs> don't know, don't know what he's an apostate from, but very interesting nonsensical insult.
0: Yes. So the, uh, the rebels and the others are about to be cast into the into the time lash. And so the, uh, the android, so the doctor's first. So he uh, grabs the doctor by the neck and, and frog marches him over to the time lash. But the, the doctor takes out Herbert's mirror and shows it to the android who backs away from it. Uh, ooh, like, like Frankenstein. Oh, too horrible to behold. I'm not sure why yeah. the android reacts this way.
1: Because he, cause the script needs him to, <laughs>
0: I guess. Because this is not why the mirrors have been in, have been banned. We find out later, but but the the rebels and Mikros take the opportunity to overpower the guards and they throw uh, one of the other counselors and the android into the time lash uh, where they will end up where the uh, the in eighteen eighty five.
1: Yeah, well, is it going to eighteen eighty five still? Uh, I believe so. They will later readjust it to go back to the eleven hundreds. So either the 12th century or the 19th
0: century is about to get a big blue blonde android show up, which uh, should be fun. The uh, Doctor now gets them to lower him into the Time Lash, which turns out not to be a time tunnel full of energy, but a big room full of crystals.
1: Yeah, full of the giant's causeway, actually. <laughs>
0: right, uh, with little crystals growing out of the end of them. So the he, he's and his his task is to grab these. Little crystals, and there's this long sequence of him uh, slipping, and the other he's tied onto a rope, and the others are holding, lowering him down, and he's he's trying to grab the crystals carefully, uh, and has to Herbert has to climb in after him, and then Migros yeah, does
1: too. This one uh, goes on for a little long.
0: Yes, yes, way too long. Uh, they 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 get out successfully. Meanwhile, the Malin tells the Borat over a comment device, some sort of communication device, that he's got an imp- important message that can only be given in person. Uh, and this Malin, Tekker is much more guileful and smooth than the previous one. Uh, the, this one's a very much a politician making making his way up the ladder, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in and in Borat's vault, uh, the the android, uh, you see the android helping an old man, the old man from the screen that we talked about before, who speaks for got, Borat, but he's got yeah.
1: wires sticking out of the back of his head, so we know he's an android too.
0: Yes, or he's least just not he's big a human. and blue. Or he's a and human he's being.
1: A, who's he's been... got a much better speech synthesizer? Oh, I right. hadn't, that hadn't even occurred to me. I just assumed he was an android because of the wires.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if that they, they they just taken this this kindly old man and turned him into the the face of the Borat. It's uh, a little dark. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the Borat does turn people into its skeletons. So you know, mm. we've already gone there. So, uh, meanwhile, Perry's. I mean, talk about dark, Perry is being kept in a cell where she's attached to the wall by her neck and can't I sit know. down without choking herself to death.
1: Yeah. Um, and she's she got this contraption up, strap. Though. Yes, yes. Uh, although you get tired after a while. We you could lean on the pipes behind you. <laughs> right, right. They've,
0: they put this contraption on her, this canister of some sort that's strapped to her chest, and we don't know what that is yet. We'll find out. Uh, inside the Borat's vault, uh, the Malin falsely blames this guy that he's been walking with, this other counselor uh who's been t- saying oh i'm gonna ask him to name you my deputy oh yes c- just come along with me this is very important and this guy's like i don't really want to go no no come along they go in he goes this guy's responsible for what the doctor has been doing he's the traitor and so he's killed because the boar has an idiot
1: and so is the so is the junior guy he got to go along with him Yes. And that guy is not responsible for what the doctor has been doing. This was all just a a, a blind as they used to say to throw right. the f- throw the borat off the track of the mailon. Yes. Oh, these names are difficult.
0: <laughs> yes. So the borat uh, has now revealed his face to uh to the Malin Tekker, uh but hasn't killed him. This the, he's the first one he hasn't killed for seeing his face. The doctor is building something out of pieces of the time lash and the crystals uh He He builds
1: two things. Yeah, one is a kind of gun, and this this gun will absorb stuff that, like energy that is fired at it, and hold it for ten seconds, and then release it back. Yes. And the other thing he builds is a necklace that will basically phase shift him ten seconds. So right. you'll see his image standing in one place where he's actually moving somewhere else for 10 seconds invisibly, and then 10 seconds later, his image catches up with him. Right. And so it gives him 10 sec. It's basically 10, 10 seconds of invisibility with an image dummy over there to attract people's attention.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, he he pushes some people around and, while he's invisible. Um and then well he has also the third device which is a scope that allows the person using it to see oh, both his yeah. image and his actual self you know in the, the time seconds of 10 seconds apart
1: and um, and that that plays no useful function other than it allows in one scene the audience to understand a little bit better what they're seeing and not seeing <laughs> in front of them
0: right uh so he uh he ta- he's going to use this 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 gun that absorbs the energy and not to, it doesn't send it 10 seconds. It sends it... What, how is it? It, it absorbs the energy it. and time slips whatever it's aimed at back at the attacker. It sends it back an hour into the past. Right? So it waits 10 seconds to shoot right. and then it will send whatever it shoots 10 seconds back into the past. I mean, an hour an, into the an past. Hour. And this explains the android that appeared in the tunnel burning because he yeah. shoots an android It catches on fire and goes and, back and an
1: hour. Burning Android goes on to become a really popular festival. <laughs>
0: yes, the Burning Android.
1: <laughs> All so the, when the hip people go there.
0: Yes, 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 in the in the caverns. So when the uh, so when the guards attack a, a wall panel behind the Doctor is destroyed, and a painting of the third Doctor is seen underneath, Herbert says, oh, you've changed a bit. And the Doctor replies, immeasurably for the better, it seems. Which, another one of these, and not a moment too soon bits yeah. from the, the sixth doctor he's got a little too big of an opinion of his of his own looks. let's just say that uh so uh meanwhile the uh, the band drills uh which sounds like the uh, an 80s girl band they, they, they ban- play
1: it uh, they play it. burning android every
0: year <laughs> oh well i could do that that's a that's a good 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 gig for them so the invasion the band drill invasion for us is uh, approaching and it looks like the borat wants the band drill to kill everyone on the planet but him and the morlocks uh, So. Uh, we don't know how this is going to work, but the Morlocks do not have a central nervous system, and so they're going to survive. Uh, everything that they <laughs> has one will, will they die. They
1: clearly have a central nervous system, as does the <laughs> the Borat. as does the Borat.
0: Yes. Uh. So the Dora, the doctor, goes to the Borat's vault where he confronts him. It turns out that the Borat is half human, half Morlocks, literally, like like down the middle.
1: Yeah. Like what it, happens? Not in, phase? not yeah. entirely even, but basically straight down the middle. Yeah. And, and he, he, so this is great. He had, he was doing experiments involving something, some dangerous chemical. The doctor recognizes him, by the way, from his pre-hybrid state. He yes. was apparently a scientist when the doctor was here before named Magellan, which is an anagram of Mengele, uh, a Nazi right. doctor, yeah. and who did experiments. And so he was doing an experiment with some dangerous chemical, and uh, one of the Morlock brontosaurus attacked, and the chemical merged the two of them. So now he's half brontosaurus. Yes, but that means it's hard. So that means he's got some some body image issues. <laughs> he doesn't have the most positive body image, and that's why right. he's banned mirrors for everyone. Right, not just in his zone, but nobody gets a mirror and apparently he's programmed the androids to be terrified of mirrors too instead of sure. just confiscating them yep and he he really what he really wants now that he's incredibly intelligent because it boosted his intelligence and his strength and his lifespan so he now yep. like will live 12 times longer than normal he really wants a girlfriend that's just yep. really what he wants and so he's going to make Perry his girlfriend but she needs to be an adequate girlfriend. So she needs to get the uh, brontosaurus uh, treatment too. So that's why he's that they've strapped this tank to her. I mean, it's like a an air tank or water tank. It turns out it's filled with this chemical, and that's why he's got her down in the caves being menaced by a brontosaurus. So at some point, the brontos- when the brontosaurus attacks, the chemical will release, and she and the brontosaurus will merge, and then she can uh, she can be the Borat's girlfriend, the bride of and- Borat, <laughs> <clears throat> the bride of Borat. And I love how this works because so by if they're both half human and half brontosaurus, then um, then by Mendelian genetics, when they have kids, yes, one if they have four kids. One of their kids should be a pure human, two of their kids should be half human, half brontosaurus, and one of their kids should be full brontosaurus. So (laughs) I'm actually in favor of this plan. I want to see those kids. (laughs) Yes, Perry is not so
0: much in favor. And the doctor points out that uh, what if the Borat, uh, the the Morlock, kills Perry before the merger can happen? Well, you know that's the price you pay for. The uh, Carful version of Tinder, I guess. So when the uh, the Malin stands up to Borat's plan to convert everyone on Carful to such as himself, uh, he steps right in front of the Borat's weapon so as to make it easy to kill him. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, like oh, I, I disagree with this, and I will stand here right where your ray beam is pointing that I've seen you use before. Uh, so yeah, instead of shooting him in the back.
1: the so doctor, he turns into a collapsible skeleton.
0: Yes. Uh, Halloween's coming. So the Doctor <laughs> finally activates the time crystal, finally, and Herbert, watching from above, instead of going away as he was supposed to, sees yeah. the oh, Doctor oh, through by, the time by, telescope.
1: By the way, this, uh, all this dialogue about becoming half Brontosaurus, uh-huh. that's the Island of Dr. Moreau part. Yes, right. Whereas the TARDIS is the time machine part, and the Morlocks are also the time machine thing.
0: Yes. Uh, so the Doctor uses the time crystal to absorb the time acceleration weapon energy, and beams it straight back at the Borat, who uh, is uh, apparently killed. No, so, no, no,
1: well, oh, well, at this point, yes, apparently,
0: apparently, yes. Uh, so he's uh, the doctor sends Herbert to go find Perry in the tunnels while he tries to release her from the the, the device from the control room, and uh, Herbert manages to rescue her from the Morlock. Uh, meanwhile, the Banders have fired their weapon that will kill everyone on the planet.
1: By the way, in in the confrontation with Borat. The doctor is like, I really wouldn't fire that weapon at me. It would be a grave mistake, and you know what's coming. It's (laughs) going to, like, this is what's going to kill him. And it's like, oh, what? Where have I seen other doctors doing that? Why? Dr. Ruth did that. Exact same thing. I'm begging you not to pull the trigger on that gun you're holding. And the seventh doctor did that. It's like, oh, Davros, I'm telling you, don't use the hand of Omega. And it, and it's like, okay, this is a recurring trope of the doctor begging <laughs> people not to use weapons that will destroy them.
0: Yes. Although in this case, it doesn't destroy the bandrel, but it's...
1: He meant it to. Yes. The Borat.
0: Yeah. The doctor does demand the ambassador to speak to him since he, he says, I'm a time lord and president of the High Council of Gallifrey. So yep. is, is he president at that point? Okay. Well, yeah, but he ran away from the office. Uh, okay. So he has to use the uh, the honors of the office without actually having to carry them out. the mm-hmm. uh, The Bandrel requires that uh, in order to, you know, okay, sure, show us the the Borat is proof that you've overthrown him, which they can't because he's no, nope, <laughs> he's, de- he's dead. He's dead. The doctor gets in the TARDIS. I like meanwhile. that
1: they're reasonable though. It's like okay, yeah. fine, we'll we'll call off our missile. Just show us the proof.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. So because oh, I wouldn't, you know, just go on your say so. So the, the doctor goes to get in the TARDIS to go stop the banjo weapon, and Perry follows, and we and Herbert sneaks in behind them, because, you know, he's apparently invisible. And the doctor wants Perry to stay, because he's going to destroy the missile, and while she's arguing with him to, to go, like, they have this long argument back and forth, the missile's coming, but we're going to mm-hmm. just stay here and argue back and forth, instead of just throwing I, her out.
1: And part of the argument is the doctor saying, every second we waste now brings Carful into greater danger. <laughs> right. So there's Let's two argue. problems here. Number one, you're wasting time <laughs> arguing. Number two, you're in a time machine. Yes, <laughs> you've got all the time you need. Well, and that, that's a so Herbert
0: brings up this. He's because he, once Perry's gone, he starts arguing with the Doctor, and it t- says this like you're in a time machine. Well, why can't you just you know go back in time? There are time laws that I'm not allowed to break, and that's that's it. Like mm. okay. And then so the doctor tells Herbert that the TARDIS will act as a deflector uh of the weapon
1: and they will be killed. But he's lying and he's planning on dying actually.
0: Right. Well, he says that when he says they'll be when I said they'll be killed, like that he
1: and Herbert were going to be killed. Oh, I see you right, yeah. correct.
0: Yeah. So back in the uh, the inner sanctums, they all think that the doctor's dead, that the you know the weapon hit it and exploded and destroyed the TARDIS. And Perry goes off to grieve but is grabbed by the Borat, who, like all supervillains, isn't dead when you think he's dead. He's suddenly alive again, Uh, at which point the doctor now arrives and gets the Borat to admit uh, that he's the actual, the other Borat is, is dead, but he cloned himself, and so that's how he's still alive.
1: And apparently the other one was the clone, so this is the real Borat.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes absolutely sense. Uh, so yeah. they they then engage a debate over whether Perry would find him repulsive if she could see him because he's holding her in such a way as that he she can't see
1: his face. Yeah,
0: which gives the Doctor time to smash his portrait of the Third Doctor and reveal a mirror underneath that he somehow knew was there.
1: What <laughs> interesting architecture! I mean, <laughs> yes. first they have a mirror, then they put a portrait of the Doctor over a mirror, then they put some ordinary wall like I don't know. uh, paneling over the doctor picture
0: yes yes it's all very convenient so perry sees the borat holding her she screams borat reco- recoils and the doctor pushes him into the time lash when yeah. he lands borat in the 12th... has
1: really bad dating skills <laughs> yes he does uh and oh, he also what... threatens to put out both of perry's eyes so yes. she can't see him
0: right and that way she'll really love him at that point yeah, yeah. So. <laughs>
1: after, after he puts out her eyes yeah, yeah. sure who wouldn't
0: so uh and the doctor says that when the uh, the the Borat lands in the 12th century he'll be in Scotland near Inverness near Loch Ness and so he'll become the Loch Ness monster that we've already established in Doctor Who was actually a creature uh of the planet from the yeah um,
1: a scarison from the of the zygons right so, so
0: how could he be well, the Loch Ness monster
1: who it's, I like how they've set it up because he does have he's <laughs> supposed to be freakishly strong he's supposed yeah. to have a freakishly long lifespan um, so he does kind of fit there could be two Loch Ness monsters maybe there
0: could be I guess that's true we just don't know and maybe I mean maybe some level blossom between them. The, the Borat, yeah, maybe, he'll and the Scarrison.
1: He just needs to go to the 12th century Scotland to find his girlfriend, who'll be all <laughs> dinosaur,
0: right? And oh, and the Scarison may be the one of those, uh, like the the two half children, the mm-hmm. one fully human, and the Scarison is the yeah. is the other one. Okay, uh, I'll go with that. So, <laughs> oh gosh, because why not? Because so the doctor destroys the time lash, apparently, stranding all the people who've been thrown into it as punishment. Couldn't go get them first,
1: but whatever. I know. He, and he doesn't really explain why he's why he does that. Well, oh, and he also doesn't explain why he's not blown up.
0: Yes, I was going to say that he also doesn't tell us how he and H. G. Wells survive. Like, hello. <laughs> I,
1: I I love how um when they're about to when they think they're about to die, H. G. Wells is like, I didn't realize dying heroically was such a strain on the nerves. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> nice, nice understatement there. Uh, also, there
1: are apparently no lifeboats on the TARDIS, which is really bad design. That's a that serious is, design flaw. You got a ship and no lifeboats. That is that
0: is which comes up throughout the the fifty plus years, almost sixty years now of Doctor Who. So yeah, they've he's got to fix that at some point. So, and this is where the Doctor at the very end reveals that uh, Herbert had dropped his calling card, and it says Herbert George Wells, H.G. Wells, and uh, that's. Who he really is and where he's gotten all his ideas, et cetera, et cetera. Because the Doctor is the source of all great uh, Earth literature in English, (laughs) apparently, Mm -hmm. including Shakespeare. Uh, And that's how we end things uh, with this one. Any final notes on this, Jimmy?
1: Well, I thought it was actually, I mean, I thought it was actually pretty enjoyable. It was faster moving Mm -hmm. for the most part than a lot of stories. So it did have, like, the the Giant's Causeway crystal time-lash sequence crawling around that was kind of long. But yep. for the most part, it was pretty fast-moving. The Doctor and Perry were not as annoying as they often are, in part because they're separated yes. for so much of this story. They don't have the chance to be sniping at each other. And I don't really mind if, you know, Perry is sniping at, at the bad guys who are, like, torturing her and leading right. her around by the neck. So it provides more of an excuse for her to complain It's yes, sure. someone's leading you around by the neck. Also, there's an unintentional irony in the script where at the end where the doctor is telling Borat that he doubts Perry is going to agree to be his girlfriend, you know, and once she sees him and is like, well, I'll put her eyes out. It's like, yeah, but you can't change the brain in her head. Well, guess what? There's a story coming up in Trial of a Time Lord called Mind Warp that focuses on the doctor changing the brain in Perry's head. Oh, so, so, yeah, actually, you kind of ironically can, although they weren't envisioning that at the moment this script was written. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. So uh,
0: yeah, Time Lash is, you Yeah, know, I mean it, it, I there are plenty of things to, to criticize, but yeah, it, there it was. It's better than some. So yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, we do have some feedback I want to get to Ooh. from listeners. Uh, we had one piece that, was, that several people have brought up. Uh, we've been not only covering the the classic Who, but in the the new Who episodes, we've been covering. We've moved from the tenth Doctor to the eleventh Doctor, and some folks have asked, "Hey, you skipped the the eleventh uh, Doctor's first story." and The Tenth Doctor's last story, The Regeneration and Post-Regeneration. And uh, for those listeners who are relatively new, we actually did cover all of the regeneration episodes and all of the post-regeneration episodes in a series of of epi- of our episodes, of our podcast, a couple of years ago. So uh, you, if you go back into our archives, I put a link on our Facebook page in the mm-hmm. – uh, uh, underneath the the Beast Below episode, uh, so if you go check that out, uh, the we did cover the eleventh hour previously, so you can you can go check that out.
1: Yeah, and we're kind of past that at this point, so folks can go do that. But for the future, I think we, given that we did hear from a number of people who yep. who wondered about that and didn't know that we'd done those previous series on, we did a series on all the regenerations. And then right. we did a series on all the first stories after the regeneration. Yeah. That's good, actually. It means we picked up new listeners. Yep. You know, so that people weren't aware of that. But it does it produce, it does make it a little bit inconvenient. I would suggest that in the future we consider either just going ahead and doing a second review of those stories or... At least dropping the previous ones we did into the feed as bonus episodes, so that the listener won't have to go looking for them
0: there might be technical reasons why we wouldn't be able to do that, but we could talk about uh, some way of making yeah. those available to folks um, in a special feed or something like that that we can do that uh, you can you could be able to get those easily but we'll yeah I mean even if we put links in in the show notes or something like that we'll we'll find a way to do that uh, for you that uh, make yeah. it easy so. Also on Facebook, Emma Kroik uh, writes about the Rory at Home short. We were talking about Amy and Rory, and there was a uh, uh, a lo- Doctor Who lockdown special on the Doctor Who YouTube channel where they did a bunch mm-hmm. of special, and we saw um, one with uh, Arthur Darvill uh, as Rory back, recording a, a video diary back in the 40s with Amy, where they uh, ended up. And uh, we mentioned their, ch- their son, Anthony, and uh, she says, I thought that Anthony was their adopted child since Amy was unable to have more children after her daughter. River. River. I thought that this was confirmed in deleted scenes that they released a long time ago where grown-up Anthony goes to meet uh, Brian, uh, which is Rory's dad, and delivers a letter from Amy and Rory, and he says, uh, which says, we finally adopted in 1946.
1: So there are two ways I can think of to deal with that. Yep. Um assume, well 3 really who says they can't have more than one kid. Yep. You know. That's true. Maybe maybe it turns out she could have kids and uh and they had another one and they also just happened to name him Arthur. So it's like this is my brother Arthur, this is my other brother Arthur. <laughs> but uh, the other two ways well one of them time can be rewritten. Yep. And Anything that doesn't make it on screen doesn't have to be regarded as canon, right? So if it's a deleted scene, doesn't have to doesn't have to be regarded as canon. But I tend to i because it, they did like release an not an animatic but an animation mm-hmm. of of the deleted scene. I tend to would tend to say, okay, that was canon, and thus I would fall back on time can be rewritten, yeah, which makes everything in Doctor Who canon, <laughs>
0: right? right. Doctor Who is not especially rigorous about its canon, That that's for sure. Uh, then Sam Shackelford writes, I'm always surprised when you say things like, th- say you like things that I consider super campy. For example, when Thirteen calls the Companions fam. but I don't think any of us like that. That's that's my... I don't
1: mind, I actually, I don't mind that. That's okay. fine with
0: me. Okay, so maybe that was you then. Or from this episode, when Liz Ten says, basically, I rule. And he says, that's just so cringy, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Well, you know, there's different tastes, you know. this, As
1: they say, de gustibus non est disputandum. Right. There's no there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> no disputing about. There is to be no disputing about taste. I,
0: oh, I, I know. I, I, just, I, I am purposely mangled the translation on, on you there. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's, there's probably things, Sam, that you like that uh, we would, uh, some of us would go, oh, how could you like that possible thing? That's the great thing about Doctor Who. There's something for everyone.
1: And I, some of the things that I like, I like because they're 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 goofy, cringy, campy. Like the like this collapsing skeleton effect in this episode.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. If you if you can't like a goofy, creepy, cringy, there's a lot of Doctor Who that's gonna <laughs> gonna go past you. So, but uh, thank you everyone for the feedback. We do appreciate getting that. Yeah. Uh, so, and then as we wrap up, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including. Joshua G., John S., Wojciech D., Rebecca S., and Gabe S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at Starquest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. Yeah. So, and he does a great job. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Thank you. And that's it from us. What did you think of Time lash. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Doctor Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 11th Doctor Story, Vampires of Venice. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, the strength and intelligence of many, but hardly the looks to match. Right. This is going to be fun.